Moines. Now, today's biggest stories from the BMW of Des Moines Sports Desk. This is an X's and O's update on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. And I'm Trent Condon. Ten players advanced from the NBA G League Combine to the NBA Combine. Included in the group is Iowa State's Mariel Shayok and Iowa's Tyler Cook. The draft combine is the first step of the draft process for NBA hopefuls and features five-on-five games as well as shooting and strength along with agility drills in Chicago. The event takes place tomorrow and Friday. Last night in the NBA draft lottery, the New Orleans Pelicans won the right for the number one overall pick. The Grizzlies, Knicks, Lakers, and Cavs round out the top five. Last night, game one of the Western Conference Finals, Steph Curry and the Warriors lighten it up. Thompson with the block. Iguodala picks it up, throws it ahead to Curry. Curry for three, puts it in. The call from ESPN Warriors win at 116-94. Game two tomorrow night in Oakland. Tonight, 730, it'll be game one of the Eastern Conference Final. Nick Nurse's Toronto Raptors on the road to face the top-seeded Milwaukee Bucks. Last night in baseball, Kyle Hendricks continued his dominating performance on the bump for the Cubs and also brought his bat. Hendricks gets a hold of one out in the center, and it's going to get to the wall. Two runs are going to score. The call from NBC Sports Chicago, the Cubs win it 3-1. Speaking of bringing the bats, the Cardinals did just that in Atlanta last night. And the 2-1 is hit out to deep left. It's at the wall. It is gone! Three-run homer, Marcelo Zuna. Home run number 12 of the year for Marcelo Zuna on the call from Fox Sports Midwest as the Cardinals win 14-3. And last night in Minnesota, we know about Byron Buxton's speed here. He shows off the arm. There's a drive to center. Buxton comes in, plays it on a hop. Here comes the throw to the plate. And he is out of the plate. What a throw by Buxton. The call from Dick Bremer on Fox Sports North as the Twins hold on for the 4-3 win. Live from the Wild Rose Casino and Resort Jefferson Studios, you'd rather be here. This is 1460 KXNO. KXNO in your pocket with iHeartRadio on your smartphone. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hi, Miller and Condon. Welcome back to Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Tavian Banks, Tim Dwight, and Roosevelt uh, Roughrider head football coach Mitch Moore coming in here all in about 20 minutes or so. They've got their football camp coming up in July uh, of this year. We'll talk to them about that, and we'll go down memory road, I'm assuming, a little bit as well. We're going to talk some NBA right now. Josh Martin, uh, one of our NBA guys, you can follow him on Twitter uh, with that blue check mark at Josh Martin NBA. Josh, Trent, and Ken, thanks for giving Des Moines a few minutes again today. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Doing pretty well. You know, a lot of ground to cover with you. We'll get to the games, etc., to, to the draft as well, the draft lottery as well. Let me ask you how things unfolded in Los Angeles. I know you're very close to that, um, the the Lakers situation. Boy, it sort of seemed like it was Tyrone Lou, and then maybe he didn't get the length of contract he wanted. We all think Jason Kidd is the coach in waiting. Frank Vogel was willing to uh, take what seemingly is a – uh, shorter contract than most new head coaches get. Uh, help us see what went into all of this Laker drama with their coach over the last couple of weeks. Uh, a lot of weird stuff went into it. You had, um, you know, the owner, Jeannie Buss, and the GM, Rob Palenka, seemed to be favoring Tyron Lue. And the word was that Kurt Rambis 
and his wife, Linda Rambis, Kurt, um, who's held a number of different positions with the Lakers over the decades, from player to coach to front office. And his wife, Linda, who has been a, a longtime friend of Jeannie Buss's and has uh, held a, a position of sorts in the Lakers for a long time. They've become very much powerful people in the organization. I guess they express doubts. Um, and the contract, obviously, that they put in front of Tyron Lue for three years and reportedly three years, $18 million, was not uh, up to par for a coach who say what you will about his contributions or whatnot in Cleveland. He still coached a team to a championship with LeBron James. So uh, that was after they had pursued, to some extent, Monty Williams. There had been some discussions with Juwan Howard. And then the Lakers turned their attention to a secondary list, and they wound up with Frank Vogel, who, you know, is at least was a good coach in Indiana, didn't have particularly noteworthy success in Orlando, struggled there, though there was also a change in management and whatnot. So this is where the Lakers find themselves with Frank Vogel as the head coach, Jason Kidd as sort of a, a forced assistant, if you will. And uh, now we'll see if they can proceed with that coaching staff in place and try to build out a team that can actually win next year. And in the lottery last night, they moved up, what, seven slots to the number four selection. Uh, certainly a help. LeBron, he was uh, tweeting and Instagramming number four with a little eye emoji. He was pumped up for it. That fourth pick, where uh, it's early. Still a lot to be determined here. Where do you think they're leaning, though, right now? Uh, I think they'd be leaning towards trading it yeah. in some capacity. Get him uh, help. Yeah, I mean, because ultimately they're in a position where they're, they have LeBron James. They pitch their wagon to him. And so it's about getting as much help as possible for him and around him. So they'll do that in free agency. They'll look to do that in trade as well. But it's tricky because the timing of it sort of requires that for them to be able to add two big-time players, one through free agency, one through trade, Ideally, they'd have to sign the free agent first and then trade for whichever star. Um, but that would require that they wait till after the draft. And it's possible that New Orleans might look to move Anthony Davis before the draft or during the draft. And that would kind of throw off the Lakers' order of operations or ideal order of operations. So there's still sort of some, some loopholes, some, sorry, some, some hoops that they're going to have to jump through to make this whole thing work, if it's going to work with LeBron as the head of a, another triumvirate. Hmm. Uh, conference uh, breakdown in, in a couple of minutes. Uh, you know, more on LeBron for just a second, Josh. Uh, this, having the status that he does in the league uh, is one of the greatest that's ever played the game and, and still a really good player. But again, you know, getting up there in age and that window, certainly nowhere near as wide open as it once was. How involved do you think he was in the coaching search. I mean, they wouldn't come right out and say that in public, I'm assuming. Yeah, we ran everything by him to make sure he was good. But how how involved do you think he was behind the scenes? I mean, I don't think he directed it by any means. You know, at most, it might have been a situation where the Lakers had a candidate or they had an idea and they would have gone to him and said, hey, what do you think? Or, hey, is this cool with you? Do we have your sign-off? Um, I think all the coaches that they were said to have considered or interviewed had some sort of tie to him. Obviously, Ty Lue coached LeBron in Cleveland. Juwan Howard, who they interviewed, 
was one of LeBron's teammates and then an assistant coach in Miami. Uh, Monty Williams has coached LeBron with Team USA. And Frank Vogel, while I don't think he's ever coached LeBron in direct capacity, has coached against him and, and knows him well. So I'm sure that he has LeBron's respect from those battles between the Heat and the Pacers from back in the day. So um, I think it's just, at most, it might have been that LeBron maybe gave a thumbs up or a thumbs down, but I don't think that he directed this surge, and I, and I doubt that he would have wanted to. Joined by Josh Martin as we take a look around the NBA. Josh, number one pick, Zion, uh, to New Orleans, though. There continues to be conversation. Maybe Zion's going to pull what we saw with John Elway do, Eli Manning do in the past, and say, I don't really want to go there. I, I want to trade or I'm going to do something else. Do you see that as a real possibility with that looming, coupled with free agency coming up this summer, the Lakers and all their movement? Is this going to be one of the craziest summers in NBA history? It's going to be interesting. Uh, you know, there's a, a huge free agent field that's going to be out here. Remember that back in 2016, it was a really a banner year in free agency where tons of teams had tons of cap space and they spent it not always on the best players. And so a lot of those guys now are coming off their contracts, um, which means that there's going to be a lot of cap space floating around this summer. And so you're going to see a lot more uh, head-turning contracts, most likely. A lot of stars out there, you know, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Kemba Walker, Jimmy Butler, uh, Clay Thompson. The list goes on and on of, of impact players who will be on the market in some capacity or likely to be on the market, plus Anthony Davis, plus the, the Wizards trying to figure out what to do with John Wall. So um, there's going to be a lot up in the air. Um, and you know, obviously that all starts with the draft and seeing how things turn out there. And I think that whatever movement happens there will kind of set the table for what we see in July. Uh, we're talking to Josh Martin. He covers the NBA. Josh Martin NBA is where you can follow him on Twitter. Uh, let's go to the Western Conference. Game one played last night. Really wasn't close at any time. Uh, Golden State seemingly you know, the much, much better team last night. So, Josh, was this just, uh, in your mind, a quick turnaround from a, a terrific, spirited comeback Sunday afternoon against Denver that caused the Trailblazers maybe not to have their legs. Lillard for the second straight game did not look like himself. He was good at the free throw line, but uh, other than that, and C.J. McCollum, who single-handedly uh, propelled his team into the uh, conference championship, he had nowhere near the game he had. Do you think this series is over, or Portland's got to, you know, this is one game, slow down a little bit, long way to go? I mean, I wouldn't say it's over. Uh, I, I think in the playoffs, you have to give teams opportunities to, you know, no matter how, how bad things may turn out in one game or how good they might turn out in another game, you have to give each team, especially the losing team, a chance to make some adjustments and see what they can do to kind of throw wrenches and what their opponent does well. The problem for the Blazers is that they faced a short, this is a shorthanded, obviously a shorthanded Golden State team without Kevin Durant and, like he'll, it seems that he'll be back at some point in the series. It's not entirely clear when that will be. Maybe it's game two, maybe it's game three, maybe it's even later than that. Maybe he doesn't play in the Western Conference Finals, and maybe the Warriors don't need him. But that is still uh, something that's looming, obviously, something that's going to a possibility that's 
could even widen the gap between these teams because, you know, you throw Kevin Durant into any mix and he's definitely not going to make you worse. Um, so I just, I'm not sure that, that the Blazers really have uh, the firepower left, that they have the fuel left to really give the Warriors a real run for their money. But um, I wouldn't put it past Portland to win a game, maybe two games here, and make things interesting, especially once the venue switches from Oakland back to Portland. All right, Josh, on the Eastern Conference Finals, it is setting up to be possibly, hopefully, more compelling than what we're getting out west. You get, for a lot of people, I'm sure, this is both going to be a a new look at Toronto and people starting to build, the audiences starting to build. First look in a lot of cases at Toronto. And and the same thing for Milwaukee. Just not having that national brand. What are they going to see for people that are just checking in, people that aren't week in, week out, NBA fans? What are the people going to see in this series? Well, first and foremost, they're going to see two of the best players in the world, and Giannis Antetokounmpo and Kawhi Leonard. They've both been phenomenal, tremendous, whatever you want to say in these playoffs, um, but in very different ways. You know, we were Giannis has been at the center of a very much a team, a situation where everything kind of orbits around him and he fits well into that, plays unselfishly, is able to use his size, speed, athleticism, strength, all those characteristics to create a single-handed advantage and then either attack and finish or find an open teammate that sort of gets the ball moving. And the Bucks, they play together so well. They're on a string. They've really been one of those teams that's had a, a great chemistry all year long. Whereas the Raptors are kind of an odd odd team in that way. A lot of their players are inconsistent. You know, their their bench has been up and down throughout the year where, you know, in past years it's been really a strength of theirs. But they have Kawhi, and Kawhi is one of the great playoff performers in recent years. You think back to his days with San Antonio where he would go from really good in the, in the regular season to unbelievable in the playoffs, and he's done just that this year as well. And so far, that's been good enough to get Toronto, or at least squeak Toronto, into the conference finals. But we'll see now if the, this Raptors team that Kawhi has carried can hold its own against a real uh, close-knit squad in Milwaukee that has arguably the MVP in the league and Giannis leading the way. Hmm. Golden State and who, Josh Martin? When we talked to you to give us uh, a hand with Game 1 in the series of the championship, uh, this year's championship, who's Golden State going to be playing? Man, that's tough. Um, I think I would lean uh, Milwaukee by a hair just because I think they're the better overall team than Toronto. But the Raptors, again, with Kawhi, they have that experienced postseason performer, proven playoff performer, a guy who's won a championship, who's been finals MVP. So I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be the Bucks ultimately. Um, but if it's Toronto in that finals, you know, we've seen Kawhi really give the Warriors nightmares over the years. And I think he would do very much the same this time around. Good stuff. Thank you, Josh. We will uh, talk to you uh, in, a, in a couple of weeks. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Josh yes. Martin uh, covers the NBA. You can follow him, Josh Martin NBA. Uh, do you think it's Golden State and Milwaukee or are you going Toronto? 
I have a sneaking suspicion that this Toronto series, Toronto Milwaukee, is going to be closer. I don't, I don't see a four one, even four two. I think we're getting seven in, in this in in the in the, in the east. east. Are we getting five in the west? Ew. I don't think so either. No, I don't, Portland. The or... Duran injury might be the best thing that happened in Golden State. <laughs> Crazy. Certainly woke Steph Curry up. Yes. Are you sick of the Curry parents story? Eh, I am. You are. Yeah. I like I like Stephen Curry though. No, I don't mind. Look at it's great, but enough's enough. Sure. Right, what are you going to do? What, what are they going to say? No, we're rooting for Steph. <laughs> right. Yes. yes. Of course they're going to. Anyways, uh, I'm give me Toronto. Toronto, the Canadians. Yeah, get it the done. North. Those jerseys do it. They put me over the top. North. Uh, we're going to talk to a couple of former Hawks. Former Cyclone coach, mm-hmm. right? Uh, coach Moore, Coach Mitchell Moore, who was on uh, road staff for sure. Yes, and now he's the head coach at Roosevelt. So they've got a football camp coming up in the uh, middle of July. We'll learn about that. It's the for sure the third. Uh, they were at Walkie two years ago, Valley, and now they're going to Roosevelt. So more information on that coming. Oh. Now it's time to go for the green with KXNO and EKG Golf. We ask you to text the keyword coin. To 200, 200 right now. It's your chance to win $1,000 cash. That's coin to 200, 200. Standard message and data rate supply. Miller and Condon, we're on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. Mayberry Tax Extra. Sports Radio in Iowa starts and ends right here. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Welcome back, Miller and Condon, the Boys Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. As we uh, take you up until noon, joined in studio by a real cast of characters, right? Mitch Moore, the former Cyclone coach, now head coach at Roosevelt. That's going to be the scene of the camp. We've got a, four, a couple of former Hawkeyes in here. Uh, Tim Dwight and Tavian Banks. This is year three for this, Tavian? Yeah, this is third year. Good stuff. Uh, started at Waukee last year, Valley. Now you're going to be at Roosevelt. Yes. Camp continues to grow. Yeah, keeps keeps growing every year. Um, and this year it's free. So that's oh, that's better. outstanding. So how are you able to do that? Uh, we, well, we have a lot of sponsors that help Good. out a great deal. So we're, we're definitely happy to have it free this year. Um, and looking forward to a great ta- camp again. Absolutely. What... Um, what, what are, I guess the, a couple of points, Tim, that you want these, these campers uh, to go away with after their camp experience is over. What do you want them to take, uh, take with them? Quite a few things. Um, you know, we cover everything from football fundamentals to being a good person um, to nutrition to different types of training exercises. Um, uh, we watch film. You know, we br- help them break you down really film. You really do. That's great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we kind of expose them to a lot of things mm-hmm. that, you know. Shows them what, what's out there, mm-hmm. what's in front of them. If they work hard and they like the game of football, and or they can transfer to their other, their other sports too. Like you know, we go over a lot of things about character and being responsible out there, being a good teammate, being a finisher. Watching Roosevelt finish that workout this morning—that's what I was talking. That's what Is I'm talking that about. Right? Yeah. So Pretty, you've already got the kids. Uh, I mean, you can't obviously you can't do anything with them other than off-season stuff, right? But still, pretty important time. Yeah, we we really. I've got there in January, and we've done a we've done a great job, kind of cultivating the culture and, and laying mm-hmm. down the foundation for what it means to work and 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 
having a template to, to get where we need to be. And so this morning, these guys got to come in and, and kind of see the finish of the workout. And Better's the thrill for the kids, too, oh, right? Uh, yeah, unbelievable. You know, and obviously, Tavian's going to help coach our running backs this year, and, and it's going to be just a, a huge thing for our community and for our program. And Tim came in and got an opportunity to talk to our kids, and they, mm-hmm. were, they were thrilled. He gave a great message this morning. And so they got, they got to see a glimpse of kind of what we've been doing for the last four months. Where's your Super Bowl football? Do you still you have to have that right, or somebody uh, it's does in a garage loft somewhere in a box? <laughs> it's not being tossed around. No, no. I, you know, I, I kind of moved around a lot in all the sure. career stuff. You know, over over that decade, so a lot of things got put in boxes and sent back to Iowa, and you know, put in a garage somewhere. So I know where it's at. Mm-hmm. It's take me a while to find it. Gotcha. <laughs> so Tavian, you're uh, back out there, and you're getting ready to be a coach again. You've been working out at Ignite, I know, for a number of years, but. What's going to be like to be out there football Friday nights and, and being on the sidelines again? Oh, it should be a lot of fun. Um, again, just being away from it a little bit. Um, but, but, I mean, just the atmosphere, Friday night lights, there's nothing like it, you know, like in, in football. It's all the things you grow up, uh, you know, like as a kid, wishing that you couldn't wait to get to a Friday night, you know, and, and just be be out there on the lights. And I'm sure, you know, coaching-wise and stuff, it's going to be a great experience, too. Again. Mm. Guys, the uh, the game's been so good to all of you. Obviously, you're very passionate about it all. Uh, the CTE thing and the fact that maybe kids aren't getting involved or parents aren't pointing their kids to, to football. I'll ask you, Coach Moore, what, what can change? What, what needs to change in order to keep this game the way it is, which is, I mean, well, uh, it obviously shaped all three of you guys become the men that you are. There's no question. I think there's so many other intangibles in the game of football that we we got to continue to educate our young men about that that can help help us become better men and husband and fathers someday. And so, to not play football, you're you're losing out on a lot of those things. And I think when we talk about the concussion thing and that, that everybody wants to bring up, you know, I think we need to continue to educate people that it, it isn't that widespread in football as compared to other sports. It's not that much more concussions in the mm-hmm. game of football than there is in soccer or there is in other sports. So number one is educate our parents on the, hey, look, we've had a bad rap. We're, mm-hmm. we're, we're, I think the game of football is cutting edge when it comes to trying to find a way to eliminate some of these problems more than any other sport. And then I think yeah, hockey does it. Well, they deny it. They deny it. Right. They deny yeah. it. You know, and the game of football has, has kind of taken it, you know, head uh-huh. on, so to speak. And, and we've improved our equipment. We've improved the way we practice. I think we, the, the three of us have talked about this morning, we've improved the way our kids hydrate ourselves, which is a huge cause in, in, in concussions. Yep. Yeah, and so I think the more we do that as leaders in the football community and the more we educate our kids, and then what these guys have done such a great job and kind of inspired our staff is, is just getting into your youth and making sure that they still love the game of football. And when we get to the high school level, we're not lining it up and strapping it on and hitting <laughs> six days a week like right. we might have. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got we've got a calculated approach to our Friday nights. And, and so I think that we don't go head-to-head combat every single day. You've got you've to instill toughness, and you've got to you know, have a plan of consistency of how you practice and all those things. But it's not where you go out and you bang your head for three hours a day every single day like maybe we used to. I think the good coaches have taken a step back and really educated themselves mm-hmm. on, on how to get your athlete to perform on Friday night at his peak level. That well, I think you, you see some of the Tuesday. Well, you see some of these younger coaches coming in. I mean, you know, yeah. you're ten years, almost ten years younger than us. So seeing these these young group, this new flesh coming mm-hmm. in, because that's sometimes I mean, you know, you, get, you go through football and you had Hayden and Paterno and yeah. 
Um, you know, uh, the guy from Nebraska, you know, Osborne. Osborne yeah. He had all these old coaches, and sometimes like, man, some of these old guys need to <laughs> yeah, need to move sure. on and yeah. get in, and retire. You know, yeah. because this new bu- this new mm-hmm. you know flesh and these young bucks need to come through because they're going to push the game better, faster, and you know more excitement. So it's good seeing these young coaches coming and seeing this aspect because a lot of it com- a lot of it comes down to coaching and understanding your players, no the doubt. game, and the demands. Yep. You know, you played your career. I mean, you're such a Terrific player, special teams wise, and now they're talking about you know, no, eliminating some rough. of that stuff, right? Know, you I don't know. want that to happen. Well, no, it's definitely just it's becoming just a two sided game, offense defense. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we were talking the other night, some friends of mine. I'm like, could you imagine you know being a quarterback and used to have to start from the twenty, now it's the twenty five. So when you turn around and look where the end zone is, it's way back there yeah. now. So your whole game plan changes, mm-hmm. and everybody can run three or four or five plays. Mm-hmm. Well, the next thing you know, you're at the forty five yard line, and now it's not a booming punt. Now it's just one of those little pop-up punts down to like the 10. Mm-hmm. So the return game is really Change. taking a change and taking a, a you know, a, a badgering a little bit because, yeah. you know, there is a lot of, you know, maybe I was all, you know, when they were redoing the kickoffs, I thought it was going to be more like a punt where the guys would run down more together. And it's almost like that since they moved them up. Yeah. Yep. But these kicks still are all going in the end zone. Yeah. You know, I wish they would have moved the kick back. Further, so at least seeing exactly what they right. did on the up front, because you know, normally it was a five guys, then it was like two or three, and then it'd be another two guys, and then you. So you'd have five, and then a whole set guys behind you that all would get to a huddle and then blow each other up. Mm-hmm. Well, they moved eight people all the way up now, right. so now you only have three people back there. So you really can't have a big wedge. You don't have too many bodies like banging head on. Right. It's more like running down with each other, like in a punt. Right. And it'd be nice to see more of that. Maybe mm-hmm. they do. Maybe they need to make it more like that, where they're punting from the thirty-yard line right. and make it to more of like a, a, a punt-type coverage. Because those are great. You always get great returns out of punts, especially right. if you got a lot of field. It gets some of the athletes back into the game, and you know, you don't see a lot of blow-up. You know, every once in a while, guys peel back on a punt and get blown up, but majority of the time, there's not a lot of big collisions on punt returns. There's not, and it'd be right. nice to see if they could, you know, make the, maybe the kickoff that way, and as well as, you know, push these quarterbacks back to the 20, 20 yard line. <laughs> oh, yeah. You well, know, I mean, it definitely, coach, doesn't it change no, your, no your play calls? No question. It does. You know, yeah. I mean, you're huddle yeah. and you look and you're like, ooh, there's the goal line, and <laughs> when you're on the twenty five, it's like oh, different, way back there. Yeah. So the game is, it's definitely changed, and I think it's good that we're looking at the health. I mean, there are guys that would run down and blow those wedges up. I used to be mm-hmm. one of those guys, and that's, mm-hmm. that's detrimental. So changing this has been good, but we've eliminated some of the, the playmakers in the yeah. game, and that's unfortunate. No now, how tough was it not to take a peek when you're about to catch a punt? You know it's got a little more hang time than the last one, because i got to think you've got to steal a glimpse at some point. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, you get a feel on, on your peripheral, but you know it's worse when you drop a punt and then you get blown yeah, up anyway, sure. right? So you <laughs> might as well, either way. Yeah, you might as well catch it and, yeah. and dodge. But the ball was always important to get in your hands first. You, you guys both talked Tim and Tavian about some coaches. You both played obviously for Hayden Fry in the professional ranks, though. You played for Belichick for a season, and you played for Tom Coughlin, Tavian, and one of the most. Old school, yeah. Yes, if, he if is. you're if you're on time, you're late kind of guys. Take us back it and his philosophy then compared to what coaching has to be today. Just talked about that. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. We just talked about it at, at um, uh, breakfast here, but you know, Coach Coughlin, he was you know, I I really think it, he just made you be uh, professional. You know, like mm-hmm. he he made everybody be a professional. Um, it was, didn't matter if you were a starting quarterback all the way down to a rookie. Um, he treated everybody the same. 
Um, and you know, like it, to me, I, I thought it was great. I didn't have, I never had any problems with Coach Coughlin. Um, I, I thought he was, you know, obviously he, he'll be a Hall of Fame coach at one point in time here when he's, you know, um, whenever they elect that type of stuff. But um, to me, it, it was great, you know, and I learned a lot from him, um, definitely, and stuff that I instill like even today, you know, outside of football and things too. So. Well, I think good coaches like that break it down too. Like that was one of the things when I went to New England. Yeah, I was like, guys, you guys have it so easy. Really? Well, yeah, it was because it was like everything was out in front uh-huh. of you, and he had these certain rules that you just knew mm-hmm. you know how to abide by. Mm-hmm. And it and it and you won. I mean, we used to have to fight. I was telling these guys some of the stories about the food we used to have in San Diego. I mean, before the year before I got there, the Chick Fil A bus would show up and they'd feed these multi million dollar players <laughs> really? every day. Chicken and sandwich. That, you know, and I show up, and one day we have uh, we have um, burritos every Wednesday. Every Wednesday we have yeah. burritos. That's it. And some chips. <laughs> and then we had spaghetti on Thursdays, and Friday we had nothing. Is that a and fact? And this is a billion-dollar company. Right. Wow. So we had to fight for these things. When well, then I go to New England, and we're in the off-season, and uh, Izzo, Larry Izzo and I, is my first workout, and they all everything's down at the stadium, so everything's all encompassed. Uh-huh. Your, your locker is for the stadium and for, for game and for practice. So, you know, you kind of cruise down this, like, aisle, hallway of, like, all these pictures of great plays that players made from the year before. And, you know, you're just kind of seeing this level of expectation. And then you see Tom, and you get in this workout, and everybody's just doing their business. Guys are having fun, but they're doing their business. They're going about this, like, this underlying intensity. You know, and then we roll back, and it's about, you know, and then they're like, hey, we're going to get some lunch. I go, sweet, where are we going to go? And he's like, we're going we're gonna to eat on campus. I go, we're, you're going to eat on campus? You guys have food for, like, he's like, dude, we, we have chefs. Isn't that something? Like, what? You guys have chefs during the off season? So I roll back, and sure enough, there's three chefs sitting back in there going, what do you want? <laughs> and then he's like, you wait till the regular season. Wow. Dude, there'd be days we'd walk in, we'd have lobster, we'd have crab legs, steaks. I mean, everything you wanted. You had a meat, a cold meat bar, fruit bar. You had a candy bar. You had um, all you know, any drink you wanted besides alcohol, obviously. But mm-hmm. you know, you had like milks, and I mean, I'm just like, no wonder you guys win. Yeah, because no, we're good. fighting for like food and decent schedules, and <laughs> you guys Wednesday. already have it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you'd show up on in training camp. You'd show up that night, and you'd have like two stacks of Gatorade sitting in your mm-hmm. in your room. Isn't and as a, as a senior, as a, a fifth, I think a second or third or fourth year guy, you got a, you got a room by yourself too. Yeah, was, so you got treated like professional and the expectations. And those yeah. older coaches are like that. They set the rule, man. Yeah. And if you bend by it, they're like, listen, there's the door. Yep. Do you, you ever ask you, win? do you ever wish that you were born 10 years later to get to New England? I mean, you could be Edelman. <laughs> you could be Amendola, right? Yeah. Oh, man. You know, um, I, I had some great years. You know, it's too bad I didn't get Breeze early on either. Yeah, I mean, I was good point. doing his growing pains out there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you, you, uh, you have the time you spend in there. Yeah. And I bounced around, played a lot of great players, Breeze. Mm-hmm. Uh, Flutie played with Doug Flutie. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was kind of like a dream, kind of a dream come true. Watching him in, in college, and now he's, you know, I was telling these guys the other too. Steve DeBerg, remember yeah. Steve DeBerg? Sure, absolutely. He was my, he was my teammate. My rookie year is forty three years old, and we're walking down there, getting ready to come out for this like little workout, and we come around the corner, and there's this old guy, like <laughs> looking my age, right. with all this like reddish hair, and he had these light runner shorts on, and these jacked up cleats, and he's like, hey guys. Like, hey, how's it going? And I got about three feet inside that locker room. I was like, oh my gosh, that's Steve DeBerg, dude. I have not seen him since 1988 when he was playing for the Kansas City Chiefs against the Seattle Seahawks. Mm-hmm. And now he's my teammate, and he's pretty awesome. Yeah. yeah pretty awesome. Uh, I want to go back to Super Bowl Sunday for you because I've asked this question to a number of guys that, that played in the Super Bowl, and they always tell me, no, that's not the most pressure. The most pressure <laughs> is the conference championship. Yep. 
Isn't that something? Why is that? Because because you want to get to that game. Yeah. yeah. You know, once you get the Super Bowl, you're there. You yeah. know, and you obviously you want to win. Sure. But you're going, you know, but getting there is like everybody's dream as a mm-hmm. young kid. And mm-hmm. that last game, the second to last game is is it. I mean, the yeah. championship games are so nervous. And I remember before that Minnesota game, we came up in there at 15 and 1. We were 14 and yeah. 2. I mean, there's a battle. Randy Moss is going off. And I we're was down there. by it was 10 unbelievable. at halftime. Mm-hmm. You know, and then all of a sudden he misses that kick. And, yeah. you know, little Ronnie Harris from Oregon comes out in the corner route, an easy 19 play that we run, you know, with your eyes closed. Typical play, and it's going to show you it's not all like these amazing like calls that coaches call up. Sometimes they call something basic, but yeah. it shows up and it becomes a huge play. Catches a corner out, rolls for like another 30 yards downfield, and kick. We, we score a touchdown to tie it. And we still had to score a touchdown when he missed that. And then, uh, you know, we have the game winner in overtime. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, and that was it. Uh, guys, the campus coming up, it's in July, and it's free. That is unbelievable that you're able to do that. Yeah. Well, we got great sponsors. Yeah. You know, Hy-Vee, mm-hmm. Shields is stepping in. Yeah, um, a lot of couple of local sponsors here. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we try to make it free for these kids so they can come and learn. Sure. You know? I mean, money's always can be an issue. Um, and, you know, we've had, first year we had, we had it free. We had a good, great turnout. Second year we kind of charged a little bit, plus we're out of sight of town. We wanted to bring it more central so kids could get to it easily. Mm-hmm. You could ride your bike to it. There's no excuse not to come to this camp. City uh, school, baby. I mean, no excuse not to come to this camp. You get free food. You get a free T-shirt. Yeah. You get to learn and about great the, coaching. Great oh, yeah. coaching. I mean, Definitely. this young buck right here, he's going to turn this program around at Roosevelt. It's exciting you over know, there. I, I want to get into that with you. Fired I know Trent up. wants it. But so let me ask this, and I'll turn it to you, Trent, because I've, um, I've hogged some of the most of the city school. I, I root for the city schools. Yeah, I, sure. I want you guys to do well. All I mean, Valley, Dowling, Ankeny, Waukee, these are south. East Polk. Sure. These are dominant programs. City schools, you don't get the kids out necessarily in the numbers that some of the others have the luxury of doing. How do you turn that around, Coach? Well, I think, you know, I think the number one thing is you, you got to love these kids and you, you got to show them that you love them. And I think we talked about these guys this morning is right now our, our, our kids have have put in a, a great amount of work and, and they've prepared for what's coming up in the season. They've got a lot of hope, you know, and if you mm-hmm. give it, that, that's a powerful thing is to give a kid hope. And right now that's, that's what our staff is trying to provide these kids and we're, we're loving them. We're, we're, we're giving them some hope. And, and then I think what we've got to do and, and kind of my culture is we got to establish some consistency it, you, to be good. You've got to have some consistency in your life. And maybe that's some of these things that they lack outside of here. But if we can establish that inside our room and in, inside our school building, inside our program, I think that can go a long ways. And, um, man, there's talent all over. I think everybody knows that there's talent all over. And I, I, for a long time, I've heard if, you know, if mm-hmm. Roosevelt can do this, mm-hmm. if, you know, and I think there's a lot of people that are scared of the if. And, and I, I want to hit the, the if right in the head, you know, and, and say, hey, th- th- we're going to do this and we're going to we're going to provide them with the outstanding coaching staff around. Um, and, and we're just going to show them. What, what our mentors showed us, you know, consistency and hard work wins. I mean, you, you can't replace that. And so right now, I, these guys were in here this, this morning in our workout and, and there's some, there's, there's a lot of hope going on. There's a confident group in there and, and they, they know that our staff has been around them since January. We're showing them that we care and, and, you know, I know Coach Link, I, I think you guys, you know who mm-hmm. that is. He was, he was there before me, and, and um, he, he did a great job laying the foundation and, and showing what, what, a, what a high school program that's successful, what the schedule should look like. So when I came in, it wasn't a shock when I said, hey, this is what we're going to do. This is X, Y, and Z. We're going to have a full summer schedule. Um, I think what I've, what I've tried to instill is just that we, we've got to win in those dog days of January and February. And, and then I think uh, for me personally as a head coach, what I've really kind of established is this this April and May, this this eight week period here, where 
you know, tracks going on, graduations are going on. Everybody's gonna gonna find a way to have an excuse to not be at something. Well, if we can find a way to win those two months and have some great momentum going into the summer, now all of a sudden we're two months ahead of everybody. And so, you know, I think contagious positive energy and, and just uh, showing the kids you love them that goes a long ways. Mm-hmm. And then the, these guys, there's no lack of talent. There's not lack of talent. It's it's lack of structure and lack of consistency. And that's what we've got to do to to help this program go. So I'm excited. Um, you know, it's, it's been a lot of fun. We've got our, our kids have unbelievable perspective, probably more than anywhere I've been. You know, they come from all walks of life. Uh-huh. We're, we're rich, we're poor, we're, you know, we're black, we're white, we're Cuban, yep. we're Asian. There's 33 languages spoken in, in, in Roosevelt High Is School. Is that a fact? It's, it's, not it's, just, it's unbelievable the perspective that these young men have in yep. my program that I haven't been around. I've recruited them. You know, I've recruited yep. all over the country, but I haven't lived it. And, and a lot of college coaches haven't lived it. You know, they recruit it. But they don't live it. They're not in it every day. And so this has given me an opportunity to, to live these kids' lives and, and get a chance to, to really see what makes them tick and what doesn't. And, and uh, it's been, a, it's been a, as rewarding as an offseason as I've ever had as a coach. And, and I'm, I'm as excited at 35 years old, probably 15 years into coaching, as I've ever been because of the kids. They, they provide that for us. And so, um, and it's your program. And it's, yeah, yeah. And, it, and it's our program. So it's, it, it's fun. It's exciting. And, and we've got a – there's a great, powerful group of Roosevelt alum in this community that, that, are, that are supporting us. Waiting and, for this. And waiting for this. Yeah. And so we're excited. Trent? Coach Moore, I, uh, John Beeline just took the Michigan, left the Michigan job yeah. to go to the NBA. And yeah. We hear people saying you know, the college job, it just it became difficult for him. Sure. And I heard Bill Self once say, somebody was asking a young coach, you want to coach pure basketball? Then either go and try the NBA route. Or the high school route. Sure. Yeah, you were in the college game. What led you back to the high school level? Well, you know, I, I think everybody in their life, I hope, really successful people want to want to try to you know want to try to become the leader of a program, right? And I think that was always been a goal and aspiration of mine. I think that's one of my strengths is, is being a leader of a program. And so I always wanted to get back in, at the helm of a program or get to the helm of a program. And and uh, I, I got an opportunity to work for Coach Rose and Coach Campbell, and both just fantastic coaches in, in their own right. And Coach Campbell's probably the best I've ever been around at any level. Mm-hmm. And just, just the way he empowers people, the way he, he provides vision for people. And, and so working with him for a year, I, I knew it. I know going a year into it, I said, man, he, he's provided me that, that kind of, that vision to say, hey, go, go do it yourself. And, and mm-hmm. so, um, I wanted to take a chance kind of on myself at this point. I'd been bouncing around at the college level. And um, at, at that time, I had been on the field, off the field, on the field. And and I was a recruiting coordinator kind of at the, at the time. And, and what you're doing is you're, you're on Twitter all day. And you're communicating these kids through social media. And when they got on campus, I don't know that I was making a direct impact on their life like I could as a head coach, like I could as a mentor, mm-hmm. as I could, um, you know, being in the – being in the trenches with the kids and so that's kind of what i i wanted to do is i, I wanted to take over program and and coach like you said the the the, the sport in its purest form kids are there because they love to be there they're there because they want to be there and i i think uh you know that that's been a lot of fun for me and that's kind of why i went back to that level we got a minute left let's uh make sure everybody knows how to get information on this where do where do we go to find out more information tntcamp.com okay TNTcap.com. Yep, it's free. That's it. Free J- camp. July the 19th. July the 19th at Roosevelt High School. Yep. Start at 8 o'clock. Go to 7. <laughs> With an S. 
TNT Camps. TNT Camps. TNT Camps. TNT Camps. TNT Camps. Good information there. Uh, July the 19th. Well, if you need any more help, and I don't think you will, I think this is going to uh, fill up on its own. Uh, we're happy to help we're you do whatever you can. I think we're over 200 some kids. Are now. you really? Yeah, That's yeah. great. We're kind of topping maybe around 500 because it's the point where you get a little. Um, you know, space. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Get a little space constraints yeah. over there. Indeed. Mitch Moore, Tavian Banks, Tim Dwight, thank you, fellas. Best of luck to you. Anything we can do. Uh, happy to help you out. Great talking with all of you. Thank, thank you. Appreciate it. Thank all right, we'll be back. Day. Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. Your home for Iowa State women's basketball is right here. This is head coach Bill Fenley on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. All right, good stuff uh, with Tim Dwight, Coach Mitch Moore, Tavian Banks, their football camp, Roosevelt, free of charge, Trent. Love that. TNTcamps.com for more information. TNT Camps for more information. Uh, that thing will uh, fill up very quickly. July the 19th uh, is the date for that. All right, we only got a couple of minutes left. Uh, I, mean, I know your twins are playing this afternoon. Yes. Uh, as a getaway day, I'm assuming, right? The, the Angels, Angels Yep. So that's on your agenda tonight. Do you have an opinion on game one of the East? Do the reps pick off the Bucks or do the Bucks hold home court? Felt a little heavy at six and a six half. Six and a half's a big number. I thought the same thing. We haven't been very good when those no. numbers have I'll take Milwaukee. <laughs> <laughs> Milwaukee running away. Probably the play. Yeah, we'll see. We'll yeah. see. Yeah, uh, but that tonight, the hockey tonight? Uh, yes. The Sharks? Uh, that uh, game three is the scene shifts to St. Louis. And you, Darvish, is on the mound today for the Cubs. That's what I'm going to... And I love the 540 first pitches, by the way. That's good for you. Oh, it's ideal. I it's, hate it. Uh, probably, and I'm probably in the minority yes. on this. Uh, but I love the five because then you can get to the game's over. It's a blowout. It's easy to switch to another game. Right. Um, and the way Darvish is going, I mean, how many innings? If I set the over under at five and two thirds, what under. would you do? It's a cinch, right? It's a lock. I mean, how much? What's my what's my limit? Uh, what's <laughs> give me the max? <laughs> uh, walks four and a half under. You don't think he walks the farm today, huh? If you put it at three and a half, I would have thought a little more. Four and a half. So four and a half you're taking under. Boy, yeah. he has not been good. No, he hasn't. What's the one a, weak spot of this 25-meter I was just about roster? to say, the, what was that game show? You are the weakest link. Remember that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, he certainly, he is. certainly is. No doubt about that. All right, uh, Ben Zobrist, uh, not sure when he's going to be back. The news broke uh, earlier today. Apparently his wife has filed for divorce, so that is the personal issue that is keeping him from his team. We are back tomorrow. Murph and Andy are next local programming. They're at 2. The Fanatics will finish up the day at 4. And the morning rush will start it all anew tomorrow at 6. Miller and Condon, thanks for being with us. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Last hour on the herd. Okay. Zion Williamson has not been drafted yet. He does not have an agent. There's a reason for it. He can go back to Duke. I would not suggest that, but I have a plan. If I'm Zion Williamson, I do not go to New Orleans. There's more to come right now in the herd. Ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen. You guys can laugh at me all you want. This is the herd. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. With Colin Cowherd. I'm setting the tone. Best show on radio. This is The Herd. Broadcasting live from Los Angeles. The Herd with Colin Cowherd starts now. Ah, here we go. This is The Herd. 
Wherever you may be and however you may be listening, we're live in Los Angeles. iHeartRadio, Fox Sports Radio, FS1. One of my buddies may get that Jets GM job. Very fired up. Not going to get into it right now. Very fired up for him. Joy Taylor is joining me. Joy, how are you? I'm great. Okay. Uh, I did something yesterday at this time on the show. And a lot of people are like, whoa, crazy. And I was like, no, it's obvious. I said, if I could have Zion or every star in the league, there's only four guys I would take over Zion going forward for a decade. James Harden, KD, Steph, and Giannis. And people said Kawhi. And I said, he's got no magnetism. I don't see people lining up to play with Kawhi. He doesn't talk. He doesn't pass. Correct me if I'm wrong, but in 2020, the NBA joy, isn't it about joining forces? He didn't have any friends in the NBA. It seems like that's what people are doing. Yes. He doesn't have an agent. He doesn't talk to anybody. I mean, Nike's like, pass, shoe deal. Like, he, this league isn't about you doing your own thing. This league is about you joining forces like LeBron and Wade and Bosch and KD and Steph and Kawhi's on an island. He couldn't get along with the Spurs. I'm not, Zion Williamson has what they call it. He's got magnetism. You don't think that matters in the NBA? Are you watching the league? It's about joining forces. He's not, Zion's not ball centric. He's not going to turn people off. You'll get the ball with him. RJ Barrett averaged 22 at Duke playing with him. He's not going to steal the ball from me. You get yours, he'll get his, the smile, the magnetism. Zion, to me, you keep telling me that Anthony Davis is going to wreck this league. Zion's a better prospect all in than Anthony Davis. The smile, the tickets, the marketing, the game, the power, the, Against the unibrow, he has no personality. He's boring. His game is boring. He's hurt. He's got no alpha. Zion's nothing but alpha. Nothing but fun. Nothing but passion. I don't even think that's close. I've been sitting here waiting forever for Anthony Davis to wreck this league. He's not a, he's not a one personality. He's not an alpha. There's no magnetism. There's no it with him. He's a great player, but he's a two in terms of personality. Don't kid yourself. Kawhi and Anthony Davis are great. But people are not drawn to them. People aren't drawn to them. It's 2020, dude. Being a great player by yourself on an island doesn't mean anything. Anthony David, watch Toronto and Milwaukee play for the next two weeks. Watch how players are drawn to Giannis, how they play together with Giannis. You can sense that everybody's all in on Giannis. They, they hover around him in the huddle. They hover. Giannis is a star. That's got it. There's a likability, a relatability. There's a personality. He's a communicator. Then watch Kawhi with Toronto the next two weeks. He's on an island doing his thing. He doesn't pass. He doesn't talk. He doesn't communicate. Do, do you think, if you don't think magnetism matters, let me ask you this. I could make a very legitimate argument that in the last 40 years in the NBA, the five most important, not always best, but the five most important players have been Magic, Michael, Shaq, LeBron, and Steph. Well, isn't that funny? I could say they have the five most biggest magnetism of, of all of them. Kobe, five most magnetic, sorry. I could argue those are the five most magnetic personalities. Guys wanted to play with them. Guys wanted to be them. Guys wear their... Players in the league are wearing Michael's stuff. Guys imitated them. Those five are magnetic. Kevin Durant's just talented. 
Kawhi is just talented. Anthony Davis is just talented. Watch Milwaukee and Toronto play. Watch how players revolve around Giannis. And watch Kawhi just 